Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us. Holy Spirit, that uh, you never leave us, you never forsake us, you, you walk alongside us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that as we start to open your word and look at your word and, and, um, and delve into your scriptures, Father, I pray that you'd enlighten things in our hearts. I pray, Lord God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon all of us. And Lord God, I just pray that the words I speak would carry your words and your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm setting a timer just because my battery's about to go flat, so it may mean nothing. And there we go. We're on one second. Okay. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John 14, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. Um, we have been going through a series, uh, which is our vision series, and it's a lot of it even encompasses what happened today, you know, just... You've got friends who had the community walk alongside them. They got saved into a community. And I think the, the, the picture of, of God is that he's redeeming the earth. And we are part of the greatest story that God has. So if you want to turn to John 14, I'm turning there in my Bible. So we've spoken a little bit about a worshiping people, a people on mission, a people of faith. And today I'm talking about this is the final in the vision series. And there's a lot more we can go into but being a people of the Spirit. The thing that separated Israel from the rest of the world is that they were, they were listening first and foremost and following the Spirit of God. They had the Spirit of God in them. They had, sorry, they had the Spirit of God upon them. They were, they were following the Spirit of God out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And uh, eventually the, the Torah was written, which is the, the, his instructions to the people of Israel. They followed that. And, uh, and it, it, the story carries on to us, to the church today, and we are a people of His presence. And I quoted Bill Johnson last week, and it says, a lot of the church today camps around a sermon where the, where the people of Israel and the early church camped around the presence of God. We have to get almost a restoring view back, back to that and to understand that we are called first and foremost as a presence people. From there comes His Word. From there comes us justice, all of that stuff. But we want to be a people first and foremost of His presence. And as I started to pray and say, God, I need some kind of uh, picture. And I went and looked at the word for Holy Spirit, whether it's in the Old Testament or New Testament. And in Greek, it's the word pneuma. In Hebrew, the word ruach or ruach, whatever. I'm not sure. It's something. It's, it doesn't really matter. Okay, but it's in the original language, and the reason why it's important to go there is because we want to hear what, what, how these guys originally wrote it and how it was interpreted as the Holy Spirit spoke. But the word means breath or wind. I, hope, I was hoping it would be a lot more dramatic. Anyway. Um, and, it's, and I think sometimes our view of the Holy Spirit can be this, this, this massive impersonal force. But I want us to understand today that, there is, that He is a person. He's the third person in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in, in John 3 verse 8, it says the wind blows, which is the Spirit, wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. It says, so it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And there's lots in that scripture that I can unpack. But as I was praying, I'm like, God, I just want something to, to pin uh, this whole message to. And I, could we put up the photo of that yacht? 
Wouldn't you want to be there right now? I don't know, that, let's just imagine that's in, somewhere in Bali and this is your personal yacht and you've got uh, someone who's cooking you food, freshly caught fish, sushi, amazing. Okay, anyway, that's not the point of the sermon. I'm just, sometimes we need to just like escape a bit, you know. We're not on a holiday, but we can escape for a moment. And, um, what are, and then I, I, went, I went and Googled and uh, looked on what are, what are the main instructions around sailing. Who is a sailor here? Woo, that's cool. Doing yachts, you do yacht, yachting? That's cool. You're even in the yacht outfit today, so I mean, it's, it's, it's all happening. Um, and it's amazing, you look at most of the instructions they give, and they give three basic instructions. Number one, in order to sail, you have to know which way the wind is blowing. Pretty obvious. But I think that's the hardest thing sometimes to harness. And I think for me, if we're talking and we, if we're relating it back to the Holy Spirit of God, is that we have to get outside and, and learn how to hear His voice. And I've been speaking a lot about that over the past a couple of weeks, but learning to understand the God of the universe, that He speaks to us. Uh, it's amazing, I, I, I spoke a few weeks ago when Abraham, when God wanted to speak to Abraham, he says, come out of your tent, I want to speak to you. And he starts to show him the stars, and he says, this is going to be the generations that are going to come from your seed. And uh, he starts to express, he, he can, and he starts to listen to the wind, and he starts to hear the wind. You, you, sometimes you wet your finger, and you put it, and you can f- kind of find where the direction of the wind. And a few weeks ago, we went on, where we tried to go on a men's camp. But it just was, uh, it was blowing like, like crazy. And you couldn't figure out where the wind was going or where it was coming from. It was just, it was absolutely everywhere. There's sand in your eyes. A um, couple of the guys ended up staying until quite late, which is very brave. I went home and watched Netflix, okay? Um, the second thing that instructions around sailing, you must be able to steer in a straight line. Now, on a boat, you've got the keel, am I right? which is the thing at the bottom that, uh, that, that prevents you from tipping over. It weights the, bo- the boat down, but then you also have the rudder, which gives you the direction. And the basics around sailing is that you have to be able to sail in a straight line. And I feel like that's where the Word of God comes into our lives, is that the Spirit speaks to us, tells us where to go, but we bet it back down into His Word. Does it line up with His Word? Are we able to steer in a straight line? And then the third thing is that you have to learn how to trim the sail. Three out of three. That's the first full marks that I've ever got. Um, I got 96 in geography once. I'm just saying that. It kind of went downhill from there. Um, And what that means is that you learn how to trim the sail because if the wind suddenly changed its direction, you you have to adapt to where the wind is going. And I want to say this, that we... The Spirit does not adjust to us, we adjust to the Spirit. He speaks, we go. He talks, I listen. And there's been moments that I've even, in the middle of a conversation, I'll start speaking to Star, and you know sometimes the little, the little gossiping angel, well that's what called the devil, okay? The gossiping devil peeps its head and you want to say something so desperately. And then God arrests you in that moment and says, don't say that. And uh, often, I've, and I'm just being vulnerable, often I haven't listened to the Spirit. And I just, you can just sometimes sense this, just like, ah, oh, Dan, I gave you an opportunity. 
And, uh, and I think it's as simple as that. It's that there's moments where, where, where we need to be so tuned to where the Spirit's going that in a moment He might change direction. And that's why I believe church should be the most dynamic movement on this planet. Because we're not following a bunch of regimented rules and regulations. We're following the Spirit, which is God. We, ca- we cannot forget, and that's actually my first point. So if you're taking notes, number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Now we're going to read a bit of scripture. Almost forgot about that. Okay. John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a hel- another helper to be with you forever. Now the Spirit is with us forever. Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. At Pentecost, the Spirit of God came into the disciples. And then uh, verse 21, there's lots we can go read. This is Jesus talking on the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Spirit of God wants to manifest himself to you. So I don't know what kind of church background you've come from, or maybe no church background, but I can tell you that there's God who dwells everywhere who's omnipresent, who's, who's, who's all around us all the time, he's all-knowing, he wants to come and meet with you. He wants to come and talk to you individually. He's, he is a God of the whole world, but he's a God of the individual. And I think we must realize that as, as we begin to paint a picture of who the Holy Spirit is. Verse 26, but the helper, speaking again, or another translation, there would be an advocate. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, say all things, and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's not even up there. I know I was not meant to read that. Uh, Can we turn to John 16, verse 7? Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen just speaks about Jesus, the Son of God, speaking about the Holy Spirit, that He is coming, that He's been in the world, but now He's going to come and He's going to manifest. Jesus says, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send the Spirit who's going to walk alongside you, the parakletos, the one who stands with you, advocate with you. You're getting, you're getting the point. He's with you, okay? Sixteen, seven says, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father um, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is already judged. Uh, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you. And so often, I'm glad Jesus felt like that because I sometimes end up preaching and say, ah, oh, there's so much more I can say to you. Um, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. That for me is key in understanding the, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not just a thing we do maybe from a Catholic background. What is it? Rom Spiritus Santos. Anyway, 
whatever it is. Um, Stalin went to a Catholic school. It's like, it's not, it's not about, it's, it's God of the universe is, and there's this, uh, the, some people call it the dance of the Trinity. There's absolute unity before, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a mutual submission to one another. This, and for me, if that's a picture of, of, of what we need to follow, we need to learn to be like that. Not be threatened by others. Learn to work in team together. There's so much we can learn about the Holy Spirit. He says he'll guide you into all the truth and he'll declare to you the things that are to come. That's prophecy. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father is, has, is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And just, I've got a few points out of that, so I've already said it. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Francis Chan wrote a book. Who knows Francis Chan? Great preacher in America, just very radical. And he says he wrote a book. Now, he came from a a cessationist background, which believes that the gifts of God from the, the New Testament had stopped in a certain period. Now we're in the time of the Word. And as he started to plant a church and lead people, he actually realized that the Spirit is very much alive and he's very much working in people's hearts and that a church without the dynamic move of the Spirit is suffering. And I think becomes dry and boring and I don't want to be part of a church like that because that's, that's Father, Son, and Holy Bible, as some people say. And it's uh, obviously, there's so much about God and about Jesus that is incredible and we keep our eyes on him but the spirit keeps the dynamic of God moving so the Holy Spirit is God he's not an optional extra just because he's third in the trinity doesn't mean he's forgotten in Ephesians 4 verse 6 it says there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call one Lord one faith one baptism one God and father of all who is who is over all through all and in all I'm just going to take this out of, I bought a new folder, and I cannot see because the light's reflecting onto the folder, so there we go. Um, number two, the Holy Spirit is a person, I've already discussed this a little bit, is that he's not a force, a wind, a cloud, although he does sometimes manifest himself like that. It's like, I've been in meetings where, guys, can you feel the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit? I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling the AC. Um, <laughs> There's, uh, but there's, there's, there is genuine moves of God where, where God has started to just blow on his people. If we look at Acts 2, which we're going to read at the end, is that there's a sound that came from heaven and tongues of fire. There was this wind. There was just this, this God, God of the universe was invading into the present. And for me, the, the fact that he's a person brings a personality into us. So there's so much about the personality that we can say about the Holy Spirit. But for me, there's, there's an amazing picture. With, do you know that, that scripture in uh, Acts 3? It says, Peter and John went to pray. We all know the rhyme. He met a lame man on the way. He held out his hand. Dun, 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 and this is what they did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And the, who was part of a Sunday school? It feels like I'm on my own here. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Now, I want to say something. The Holy Spirit is obviously sovereign, but he's a person that speaks to us in the moment. So you have these two men, Peter and John, walking up. It says that about three o'clock, they went up to pray. And as they were on their way, they, they saw this lame man who cried out and says, give me some money. And he says, I don't have money for you, but I can cause healing in you. He heals him, gets up, radically healed. Now, my question is this. If this is a famous guy that's been in the temple for 
outside the temple for years, Jesus definitely would have walked past him. I mean, I can't prove that from Scripture. I can't prove it at all. But if this is like a famous beggar that was known in the area, because they're writing about this famous beggar, you can actually go very far. In those days, they could have gone and verified with this beggar that he's actually healed. And um, Jesus may have walked past him. Peter and John may have walked past him. But then there was a moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and John and says, now's the time for his healing. And I think that, for me, brings that personality of God, is that he, he knows the timings of people's healings. He knows, he knows everything. And Simon prayed something this morning. It's like sometimes we can get into this thinking that God doesn't know what's happening, but he knows. And we need to learn to submit our hearts to him. We need to learn to trust him, listen to the still, small voice. I love that scripture I read earlier. It says, and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Holy Spirit, the personhood of God wants to manifest himself to you. I hope if you get anything out of today, you get that. There's there's another picture of the Holy Spirit and and it's a dove. And Jesus uh, is being baptized by John. He comes out, out of the water. A dove descends on him. A voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son whom I love in whom I'm well pleased. Now I've got two pictures here. Can we show that's one and the next one? Would you say they're both doves? Who's an ornithologist amongst us? I just, I always wanted to use that word. Um, this is a pigeon. Okay. You're a bird watcher, eh? Fellow bird watcher. Um, no, I'm not a bird watcher, just kidding. There's, this, is a, this is a pigeon. Go back to the dove. That is a dove. They look very similar but they're nothing alike. We lived in Murdoch for five years, and they had a major pigeon problem there. Still. Still. I, I was like, God, why did you make these animals? Because what they used to do is they used to, um, what's it? they used to poop. I was trying to think of a good way of saying that. Defecate sounds worse. Um, they, used to, they used to poop on the roof, and what used to happen is that you get this, those annual floods, which we haven't quite had yet, um, but the annual floods would come, and then because there was so much uh, pigeon stuff, it would, it would clog the drain that was meant to run, and basically pigeon poop would gather up and into almost a dam, and I'm not even exaggerating because Ramsey and Eleanor came and helped us clean the one night. It was like a dam that came up, and then it flooded over into our balcony and literally flooded our whole house with pigeon it was disgusting. Honestly, Starla, after that, we were like, that's it. We're moving. I mean, there's so many times I'd be standing outside on our balcony, and now the balcony also didn't, was also clogged up. So I was like, I was like literally like bailing water out of a ship, and it was just so it wouldn't come into our house. We'd, we'd sometimes arrive home, and then we'd, you'd look at our window balcony, and there'd be like that much water, and you know if you opened the door, it would just, it's, it was the worst, okay? So pigeons are nothing like doves. Go to Trafalgar Square in in London, you know. And I think so often the church, and I'm quoting Artie Kendall here, but he says we can often have a lot of pigeon religion where it looks like the Holy Spirit, it looks like God's moving, but it's not the real thing. And my commitment is to say that I want to be a church that is after the genuine move of the Holy Spirit. 
And sometimes it's going to look messy in here and it's not going to be nice and clean cut and maybe invite someone to church that doesn't know Jesus. And that day, Lele just decides to go and she gets filled with the Spirit. Not that that really has happened, although I want it to happen. And you know, like sometimes these moments are going to happen where the Spirit starts to move and we start to trim our sails and say, we're following you, we're not following the voice of man because I do not want pigeon religion. A.W. Tozer says this, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, now he's talking 30 to 60 years ago, don't know when he was alive, okay. It says, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would, would stop and everybody would know the difference. That challenges me. Now, we as a staff want to be excellent in all we do. We want to reach people. We want to reach those who don't know Jesus. We want to, because we, He is the greatest truth. He utterly can change your life in a moment. So we want to get the gospel out, but never at the expense of trying to please man or look like some kind of church. I want to follow after Jesus. I want to follow after the Holy Spirit and what He's saying. We can grieve the Spirit, the Bible says. Just talking about the personality of the Spirit. Now, I think it's going to take a lifetime for us to learn about who the Holy Spirit is, but He has a personality. And if you, if you think God manifested, God the Holy Spirit manifested Himself in a dove, a dove is someone, something that if you had to go up to closely, it would flitter away. And I think it's sometimes like that with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God never leaves us. But sometimes that manifest presence where we know he's with us, it lifts and it comes. Don't ask me how it works. It's sometimes there's an anointing for a task, sometimes there's not. And I'm, I, I, I long to live, and I know it's probably not realistic, but I'm aiming, at least aiming somewhere, where I live with the dove that sits on my shoulder and I'm watching what I do, what I say, how I live, etc. Keep putting our focus on Jesus, what he's done for us. Ephesians 4.30, it says, Do not grieve the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, the word there is actually to hurt the feelings of, roughly, I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you can... This God is, is complete, Spirit is completely strong. There was a moment with Ananias and Sapphira, which still is such a mystery to me. If I'm reading that in Acts 5, there's Barnabas comes and he sells his land. He lays the, his money at the apostles' feet. Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land, obviously promised to the apostles. They come forward and they lie about it, and he drops dead. A couple of hours later, his wife comes, drops dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Don't ask me how that works because I think, God, thank you that you haven't killed me yet. <laughs> uh, he is good. I, I don't understand all of that, so I'm just being open and honest with you right there. We can grieve the spirits. And it says, it says, how do we grieve? It says, let all bitterness, say bitterness, and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. And I think it's quite simple. 
Jesus has dealt with the sin in our lives and in our hearts. If we decide to go back into sin, we're empowering the sin again where Jesus has defeated it. We have to realize that, that the gospel is so good that it, that it completely obliterates the sin and the effects of sin in your life. But you can choose to always go back to it. But I love what it says. If we, if we don't want to grieve the Spirit of God, we have to put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, and malice. Be tender-hearted. Be kind to one another. That is not an Ellen saying. That is a Bible saying. Okay? She, she says it at the end of every show. It's actually the Bible that came up with that first. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. And I, when I look at that, the, the, the importance of our forgiveness towards one another depends on God being grieved or not. Uh, this is in, an incredible scripture, and I just think, God, I want to live. At, that's what the, most of the epistles actually is about living at peace with one another and learning how. And that's why you need to be in community. You need to be around people because if there's no one to challenge you and there's people that's, that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with, there's nothing that's going to be challenging your heart. We have to, you have to learn how to forgive. And, and I think, honestly, one of the greatest tests that people can go through is the test of having a mutual submission in their heart and also forgiveness towards one another. And we need to learn how to do that because I want to walk with God in complete truth. The Holy Spirit leads us, number three, into all truth. He authored the, he authored the word through human authors. He inspired the word, but God's going to always lead himself back to truth. And uh, I'm just, I remember when I first got saved, within the first few years of being saved, I remember one guy preaching and he says God works often like this in our lives is that we come and we understand the grace of God and the forgiveness that we are clean before him but then there's this process of us being becoming more like Jesus we are righteous before him in God's eyes but there's still stuff in our lives that becomes working on it and the way this guy explained is that God sometimes comes lovingly and gently with a big comb and he combs over your life just like a four kind of pronged comb. But as you start to walk closer to him, you realize that there's stuff, there's habits, there's stuff from your past, there's ways of thinking, there's, uh, there's, there's wrath, slander, all these things that, and God starts to narrow the comb and he starts to get closer and closer because he actually wants to create relationship with you and deeper relationship. And uh, who had, uh, remember at school they had the thing, lice, those little nits? And my mom bought a comb that was so thin you could barely like see between, and that is the only thing that could get rid of the nits. And I remember that she did it because everyone had to do it, and thankfully I didn't have any. But and I, I just I feel like sometimes God, he he, it says here in um, Romans two four, it's God's kindness that is meant. To, sorry, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. God does not come heavy. Sometimes he comes strong like a dad. But every time it's a point to lead us towards repentance, to lead us to a place of freedom. It says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sometimes truth is not nice to take on. People have spoken truth into my life. <laughs> it's not nice. I have a wife who speaks truth into my life and I'm grateful. Wives speak truth into the lives of your husband, Okay. Husbands, be very careful how you do it back to your wife. That's, uh, be very careful. <laughs> do it like Jesus, lovingly, gently, lead them. Be the example now. I'm going to get myself into a deep hole if I carry on. 
it's almost like when, uh, if you look at when gold is being refined in a furnace, it gets put into a furnace, pulled out, and then the scum and impurities are, are wiped off. Then it gets put back in the furnace, and then the scum and the impurities wiped off. And I, I feel like that's how sometimes God is with us. And sometimes we go through tough moments. It, it, Jesus said that there's going to be tough things that happen in your life. He was almost prophesying. It's going to happen. You're going to go through some challenging moments. But it's our response that always determines our outcome. And if we just let the process happen, God will bring stuff to the surface. Ah, oh, didn't know that was in me. Wipes it away. Wipes it away. He's incredibly kind to us. The Holy Spirit is committed to making Jesus in our lives, making us look like Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to salvation. I'll be quick with these last two. The Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus and, ex- and, and, uh, and lifts and points towards Him completely. Um, and anyone who's saved in this room who gave their life to Jesus, you know that it wasn't by your own doing. That something happened in your life and you met up with someone and you bumped into someone. And if I think of my story, mine, I grew up in a kind of a Christian home, was involved in youth, got involved in all of these things, had a few years where I wandered away from God. But God in his sovereignty linked me up with friends that knew Jesus and said, so, oh, come to church. I'm like, no, it's not really for me. Like, I'll be in your band, and I played in a band with these guys. And eventually that was their little hook to get me into church. Eventually I was in church. And you know when you're a musician and you join a church, you're already on the worship team within like a month. So I was barely, barely a Christian. Came back, wasn't even raising my hands. I wasn't even that spiritual yet. And uh, he hooked me in. And I just think God, God, Holy Spirit was, was leading me to salvation in that moment. And I, I love what it says here in 1 Peter 2, 3. It says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And I know there was a moment when the word was preached and the spirit came and it ignited something in my heart and I was saved. And the Bible calls that regeneration. It's taking something that was dead and now has put life into it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Not only does He draw us to salvation, He he aligns, it feels sometimes like He aligns the planets. We've got a friend, Narrell. You all know Narrell and Allison. They they lead the the home in Sri Lanka. And um, just his salvation story is incredible. Like, he grew up in a Christian home, was rejected by his mom in many ways. There was definitely a favorite son, and he was not it. And he rebelled at about 12, 13 years old and just went into absolute wild living, was involved in gangs. I asked him if he's ever hurt someone really badly. He just smiled. So you know that he was involved in really bad stuff. And um, just, I think the story goes is that there was a bunch of his friends that he was meant to meet them, and he was a bit delayed in meeting them. And all of his friends ended up getting shot. There was this big kind of like gang fight. I'm I'm kind of, again, paraphrasing his story. And uh, there's, there's a lot more involved in that. And he just knew that somehow he'd been saved in that moment. So he was invited to go to a big conference, and uh, there was a guy that was speaking there. The guy got off the stage, and he was sitting in the far, far corner of this. He says, two, 3,000 people got up, walked up to him. He says, God wants to use you powerfully, and he wants to use you to, to change children's lives. And you just think, God knows what he's doing. 
We need to just position ourselves in that place to hopefully even be used by him as a minister of, of reconciliation. And then finally, the, Teddy, would you mind coming up? The Holy Spirit empowers. Acts 1.8, I want to read this. It says, but you will receive power. The word power there, and I've said this before, is where we get the word dynamite from. It's dunamis, which means there's, if, we, if I dropped a dynamite stick here, Something would happen, okay? Uh, and somehow we think with the Holy Spirit, when He enters into the room, there's sometimes this gentle, and more often than not, it's this gentle inner peace. But sometimes He comes and He changes and He, and he rattles us up. It says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can we put up Acts 2? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, and I, I think the Holy Spirit works a lot in suddenlies. He's, there's something normal, there's life that's happening, and you, you're getting on with life, following the principles of God, following after Him, and then suddenly the Spirit comes. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were seating. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled, say filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And I want to give a moment this morning is that I believe God wants to come and empower us. The Spirit lives in us. Upon salvation, there's a seal on our hearts of that day of redemption when Jesus is going to come. There's, we've, been, we've been saved. There's, there's, that's happened. But I believe that there's moments in our lives, whether it's on a daily moment or on a weekly moment, or sometimes I can count a few times where, where the Spirit of God has really touched me. We were on a, a leadership team, and then we were asked to be uh, on the pastoral team. And they had this guy that came into town, and he prayed over us. And he, and he laid hands on us, and the Spirit of God filled me up. There's, I, I, I fell under the weight of, of God. And I was just this igniting of my heart of something that happened. I remember there's a few things that happened in Stala's life, just watching. She has like, just like a lightning rod to the Spirit, and he just comes. But often, she, I asked her, what is it, what's it like for you? She says, it's often just waves of love, like human love, but only purer. She says she feels like it's the, the Spirit of God is, is, is hugging her. And I, I think we have to... The Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, but it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. It says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to, our heart with, uh, sorry, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think Paul was giving us a key here, is that if we want the Spirit of God in our lives, learn to be thankful. Learn to take moments where you just say, God, I, I thank you. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my life. I thank you for provision. I thank you. And you'll see that God starts to start to shift things. So can we all stand to our feet, please? And we just, we just want to see what God wants to do. In John, 1 John 2.20, it says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One. 
Jesus Christ, the Messiah, it came from a word, again, I'm probably going to get this wrong, Mashach or Mashach, and it just, it meant anointing, and what they used to do with the old priests in the, in, in the Old Testament is that they used to rub oil into their skin when they were anointed for a task, whether you're a prophet, priest, or king. And you're anointed. And, and if you look at the sense of that, if you to take oil, it's rubbing into your skin. It, it protects the skin from becoming dry. I don't want to be a dry church. And it says it was often a, a sense of refreshing because they had all these herbs and all this, this thing inside of it. And I feel like that's what sometimes happens. We, we live busy lives. All of you can say how hard your week was, how busy you were, all the stuff that you've achieved. We need moments like this on a Friday morning daily where we just get in God's perspective again. We begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you come and just dwell? The dove won't rest on us if we're bouncing like this the whole time. John 3, 34 says, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Power and energy is a major thing in the world today. Everyone's looking for a renewable source of energy. They're looking solar panels, etc., etc. Imagine there was somewhere in the, in the middle of the desert, there was a place that you could go tap into an unending power source. And it was just, just this perpetual thing that just kept coming and coming. And I think so often we live our lives as Christians and you've, you've got this unending power source in the Holy Spirit, but yet we, we spend 95% of our lives doing our own thing. So I want to just, just give a moment just for the Holy Spirit to just come and give space for Him to move in our hearts. So if whatever, however you're comfortable, if you want to put your hands out, close your eyes, lie on the ground, whatever it is on your knees, but just, just begin to interact with God yourself. Ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit... I need your presence.